Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to The Backstage Show. This week on The Backstage Show, we're continuing our series on becoming a director, continuing and concluding with our second part, putting the pieces together. So a director can't handle everything by themselves, believe no. it or not. No, they can't. Yeah, they, you need to have a crew. You need to have a staff, a crew, a staff. Is there a difference between a crew and a staff? I guess there's a question. Well, I think they typically refer to the crew as the people behind the scenes running the show, okay. like the stage crew. So, like, your producer and whatnot are staff? What about the designers that are not necessarily the operators? I think of them more as staff because okay. they're not actively involved in running the performance in any way. So, I guess when you're stepping They do all in, their work ahead of time. Right. By those definitions, I guess when you're heading into your production at the beginning, you'd need a staff in place, but your crew can probably... There is an overlap. Stage manager. Yeah. They kind of count as both because as... The performance goes, they're running all the backstage activity, right. but frequently they should be typically involved prior the, to that. The rehearsal process. Yes. Sure. Now, Which, here, here's a question. If we're going by that definition, is director, crew, staff, or both? By that definition, I would say staff. Yeah. Except that if it's a theater where they make you actually do a live curtain speech, then you do have an active role in the are theaters, there are theaters that force you to do a live curtain speech? Yes. Wow. I Personally, as a director, I never like to do that. I don't either, but I am forced to. I mean, I have I, been. Strangely, I, I know we're dealing with community theater, which uh, by definition is non-professional, but I feel like the live curtain speech seems less professional to me. I don't know why. It's just my personal they, opinion. I guess the stance behind it is it's more interactive with the audience. It gets them more engaged. Yeah. And I mean, it certainly makes it more personal. It's almost like the warm-up act. Yeah. <laughs> We're in trouble if I have to do a warm-up act. <laughs> well, I have. I mean, I, it's mm. probably going on a tangent. We never do that. No, not here. One show I directed was the golf theme show, mm. Fox on the Fairway. And I actually dressed up in a sweater and the knickers and the hat. And I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I, I did like a little act kind of. With hey, Whitey, my where's your speech. hat? That was a Caddyshack reference for those oh, who didn't get it. I don't remember that. <laughs> I haven't seen it 500 times. Yeah. No, most most guys our age have not. So, anyway, so yeah, you need your you need your yeah. staff, you need your crew. Back to where we were talking to a minute hey, ago. Hey, you, you needed to pad this topic, so yeah. hey, well, I'm telling go. stories. <laughs> hey, I'm telling stories here. Oh, hey, whoa, 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 easy. <laughs> we'll, we'll reduce the volume on that no worries people uh we're so, cut out entirely yeah I, I, at this point i feel like we're cutting out the whole episode but hey continuing on uh yes you've got your show in place you've been approved as a director i mean either either you have your show in place or you're getting your show in place because you might want to get staff members ahead of time you may have to yeah if you're applying if you're proposing a show, submitting mm -hmm. a show application, you may actually need all these people in place because they ask for that on the application. Yeah, some theaters. I need a name for who's your producer role. going to be? Yeah. who's your who's designing your lights? Who's designing your set? That sort of thing. Yep. Uh, some theaters are more restrictive than others. I've also found that theaters are probably more restrictive with newer directors because, for example, I've directed several shows at Barley Sheaf already. They know I I bring 
similar, if not the same people from show to show. I don't necessarily have to submit going, here's my producer, here's my, uh, I almost said director, here's my lighting designer, here's this, because I've had like the same producer, the same lighting designer, the same master carpenter for most of my shows, or at least it's been down to two or three people. So I think the last few times I've submitted, I've had myself and my producer. That said, I still contact all of these people ahead of time and go, I'm submitting this show. If it gets in, would you be interested? Would you be available? So and I've been one of those contacted for such situations. You have been contacted? Not by times. you, though. <laughs> I have contacted you. You did? Yeah, I've contacted you for sound design on stuff ahead of time. Oh. If I, I felt I needed like that extra boost. Oh, I usually like do Frank. That's right. Okay. Yeah, Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yep. Dracula. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not lately. Not in the last... What have you done for me no. lately? Last well, 10 years. No. The theater's no, too I far feel, away for you. I, I guess I, True West yeah. was the only time that you went all the way out to Barley Sheaf because for you, that's that's kind of difficult to get far. to. Although design-wise, you could certainly do that. Yeah, true. Well, maybe um, I'll talk to you next show. I think what it comes down to is I know your skills and I know my own skills. If it's a small sound design, then it's something that I can handle myself and i enjoy doing the sound designs if it's something that's going to get more complicated and there's overlapping stuff and i want music in there and that kind of thing that's when i contact you yeah i've been in the same boat i didn't really sorry i didn't really mean to sound catty earlier i was kind of mockingly saying that (laughs) you didn't ask me no i figured i'd explain it for those listening that's fine anybody that's fine and Uh, if you are listening please give us an email at podcast at backstage.link and let us know how we're doing How's my driving? Yeah. How's my podcasting? <laughs> Email podcast at backstage.link. Yeah. I was going to say earlier that, yeah, I've been one of those asked for somebody submitting a show. Don't know if they're going to get it, but they need the names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, if they do get it, then, hey, I got this show. We're doing it two years from now. Would you be yeah. available? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to what you just said, though, I, as a director myself for some of the productions I've worked on, if it's an area that I have also done, like sound design, for instance, mm-hmm. it's not been out of the ordinary for me to take that on, too. Yeah, I, I think both of us tend to work that way, and arguably we take too much on. Because I know stepping in, like as a, a default position when I direct, I'm also going to design my own set and design my own sound mm-hmm. um, and, and various other hats. I, I tend to wear several hats when I direct. He likes to wear hats a lot. Hats are nice. <laughs> So that is not necessarily something I would recommend, particularly to new directors. It's good to have people that can help you out with these things that concentrate on that one thing. So here's a challenge I encountered. There was one situation where I directed at a different theater that I hadn't really been as involved with leading up to that. Right. So I didn't really have a good sense of who the home team experts were Right. for different areas. I think maybe somebody reached out to me, oh, I... Uh, I could do costumes for your show kind of a thing. But, you know, aside from one or two slots, I didn't really have a good feel for how to put a staff together. I think there's a few different ways to approach that. I think one of them is bringing in your experts from other theaters who are willing to travel to this. Well, that was part of the thing, too, is that this theater, this was Playcrafters and Skipback in this case. That's a bit removed from uh, Village Players of Hatboro. Mm -hmm. So I figured the likelihood of... Being able to pull people over to that theater would be difficult. Slimmer, yeah. Uh, So if that approach doesn't work, I think most theaters, to the best of my knowledge, have some sort of productions chair on their board whose job it is kind of to work with the directors, particularly with new directors, and put them in touch. They'll generally know who those home team experts are and who is 
skilled at uh, you know carpentry or lighting design or that kind of thing and they'll usually be willing to give you names that's where it can really be advantageous to have a producer who's familiar with the theater and its workings too that's yeah somebody that i you know i will definitely turn to if i need something i'll turn to my producer and go hey we need somebody to run lights and i don't know anybody get that done <laughs> <laughs> or who can you recommend yeah yeah they did have a uh, board advisor mm-hmm which not all theaters do that. Yeah, sometimes they have a board advisor. Sometimes it's just somebody who's on the board who, if that's if that's needed, that's the job that they'll do. I'm not really wording this very well. But, uh, okay, going back to my usual reference of Barley Chief, Barley Chiefs has a, a productions chair, and they will, when the directors are selected to be at, at that membership meeting, there'll be a brief meeting with all of those directors and go, hey, I'm here if you have any questions. So they're not going to reach out to the directors, but the directors can reach out to them. Whereas I would think a board designated, advisor. a board advisor would do the reaching out to the show. Yeah, depending on what the relationship is. it's mm. If it's a matter of, hey, I'm here. If you need anything, come talk to me or whatever. I guess there's probably our, it's been a while since I've, since this occurred, this was like eight years ago, but I yeah. think there were probably certain requirements as far as what a board advisor was supposed to do on the production. Sure. So yeah, that, that I've, I think that's a big challenge for somebody coming into this new because you can't do everything yourself. No, I mean it's not realistic. As much as you or I might try to, there's a certain amount of delegation work. that really should happen. Absolutely, your... and I think the more you can delegate, actually, the better. Uh, I personally am, I guess, a bit of a control freak, so I, I, I sometimes feel like, well, I want to do this because I don't want somebody else doing. I think I've probably weighed the consideration of. Okay, how easy is it going to be for me to find somebody to do this versus yeah. me just doing it myself if that's, I already know how? Too. That's true, too. I mean, I really enjoy, like, the set design, so I kind of do that because I don't get asked a lot. So I'm like, if I'm directing, I know I can design my own mm-hmm. set. And plus, that to me is just easier because if I'm doing the blocking, well, I want to know exactly what the set's like ahead of time. So I, I enjoy doing that. Other times it might be like, you know, lighting where I know very little about, then I really need somebody in there to do that for me. Yeah, I've been in the same boat, mostly mm-hmm. with sound design because I feel pretty comfortable doing that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. There are other areas I would be much less so comfortable mm-hmm. about taking on myself, and I am dependent upon somebody else. Yeah, and the more you're taking on the se- yourself, the the thinner you're stretching yourself. So it, at some point, you're going to break. You know, it's thinking about this, taking a step back from the perspective of when you become a director— you know, it, Actors, just compare it to actors, actors probably have a tendency maybe to float around to more theaters, Mm -hmm. depending on what shows they're doing, whether there are roles that they're interested in, trying to get into. Right. I guess as a director, maybe having a different mindset as far as establishing more of a home base can be advantageous because then you get a better sense of who's around to help cover these other bases. Yeah, and then you get this, this cadre of people that you work with on several shows. I mean, I've been lucky enough that most of the theaters I've directed at are close enough that most of my staff has followed me around from theater to theater. And that's probably why, to some extent, why I've kind of stuck to one theater as Mm -hmm. far as directing goes, because I... You also get more familiar with the... You get more familiar with the space, too. I mean, that, that makes a difference. Yeah. But I have a pretty good idea of who potentially could be around. Now, that's not always true, because I might find, oh, well... X person who did this in these other two or three previous productions, they're not around. Right. They can't do it. 
or they're doing other things. They yeah. maybe don't want to do it for every show. I- I've encountered uh, situations where the same person gets asked to do the same role for every show. Yeah. And they get a little tired of it. Yeah. So then you start to feel like, well, kind of need other options. Mm-hmm. See, I'm pretty lucky with with the shows that I've done. You know, my, my lighting designer, pretty much all he does is design lights. And I think he's done like every show I've directed, but two, I think. One of them was before I met him. Um, and the other was he just wasn't available. I mean, it does happen. My producer has produced every single one of my shows at Barley Sheaf. I've designed most of my sets. I had a couple uh, when I was at the barn were done by somebody else. Uh, Forge was done by somebody else. I think I've done all of them at Barley Sheaf and the one at King of Prussia. I have a go-to stage manager now that all she does is stage manage. So that that is A, a rarity, and B, a wonderful thing to have. <laughs> but she gets very busy because she is such a good stage manager. But, I mean, she likes to work on the shows. She says she likes to work with me, so so this is a good thing. My master carpenter, who who had done... Uh, you know, 60 to 70% of my shows up and moved to Hawaii. So how dare he? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He retired, moved to Hawaii. So now I've, I've got that gap in my repertoire, but I do have somebody that that's been able to fill in there. And he has filled in on, on like three shows. I think he's, he's done. So I, yeah, I, my point is I've had the same staff, uh, the same crew at most of what I've directed. It's been like, I'd say 80% intact, which is pretty good. Yeah, and you develop a relationship and a way of working with these people over time as you start to direct more and more shows. Yeah, kind of like a second-hand lingo with them. Yeah, so it's developing that rapport and then potentially having these people to turn to later. Yeah, it's invaluable. I mean, it really is. If you can get yourself a group of people that will follow you from theater to theater or at least from show to show, do it. Because that, more than anything else, has made my directing life easy and more enjoyable. Yeah, I just haven't quite gotten to that point which is probably like i said earlier why i kind of stuck more to one place yeah and you've also you you've directed fewer than shows than i have it took me a while to yeah. build that up yeah and you've right you've probably directed what four different theaters uh let's see uh barley sheaf king of prussia barn forge four different theaters okay yeah two for me so. yeah but i mean i've directed one show at forge one show at king of prussia two shows at the barn and and everything else, which is, I guess, another six shows at uh, Barley Sheaf. So it, it gets stuck mostly to one theme. Yeah, right. And, and as you said, it just kind of get, gets easier to do that. I mean, I, uh, between the group of people that I've got there, like my producer is not going to follow me to another theater. That's that's She knows how to produce there. Yeah. I, I As I was trying to allude to earlier, I think people who are in those types of capacities may yeah. be less floating around. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, when I... Uh, went to king of prussia i was assigned a lot of my staff and that was actually i was assigned the lighting guy what was i no i wasn't assigned the lighting guy. i was assigned a producer and she found the lighting guy who okay has, who has since followed me around yeah i was gonna say if you picked me for your sound guy it would have not made sense to have been assigned a lighting no guy. no I, I just said i don't know anybody i think and right so she found somebody well that's good though that yeah and i mean and some theaters will do that they will assign you a producer they they might assign other staff members for you if you are not, if you have not worked there, if you're not familiar with the people, they might just go, okay, here's your people. So, uh, but in case that doesn't happen, if there's at least one person that you can 
convinced to be on your staff, especially mm-hmm. a producer, that goes yeah. a long way to helping you fill in the other pieces. Yeah, a producer will definitely help you out with that if, if you ask them to. I mean, that's kind of one of their duties, I'd say, to, to do that. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, th- I think we've had this discussion before where we don't entirely know <laughs> what a producer does. What is it you say you do here? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I try to, I, I think it's just a little bit different at every theater, but I mean, going into this when I started doing this my thought was well the producer handles the money and that's pretty much it but I know there's a lot more that they can help out with yeah if you're a producer and you'd like to sit and chat with us about what a producer does on air we would love to have that that could be a whole episode that could definitely be a whole episode so producers send us an email podcast at backstage.link so who are these other people to look for who are these people well I mean I think we've kind of touched on that there's uh you know the the obvious uh set design and lighting and sound but there's also like a costumer uh which may be just a costume designer or an actual costumer who's going to make stuff for you uh there's props who might find the props or make the props um (laughs) i uh last production i had uh directed it was sherlock holmes hound of baskervilles Mm -hmm. we had a guy who's like a second assistant director for legit for uh, television productions, film productions, and whatnot. And I think it was one of the earliest rehearsals we were trying to figure out, okay, what would a turn-of-the-century flashlight look like? That night, he (laughs) he found a picture. I looked at a few pictures, approved one that I liked the best, and probably a rehearsal later, Mm. maybe two at the most, he had made one. Fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah, that's great when you've got somebody like that. I think most of the time... And I'm... uh, I'll name drop him. His name's Fish, and I know he listens to this podcast. So, hi, Fish. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think prop people are invaluable. I Most of the shows I've done have been, you know, set in modern times, very minimal props. There have been a few shows where there's been difficulty with them. I mean, uh, True West is one that kind of had some difficulty just because it's very specific because you need, like, a lot of toasters that have to work. Yeah. You, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> golf clubs. Golf clubs, uh, typewriters that, that get smashed. Uh, plants, or laptops, uh, as the yeah, case may be. Yeah, plants that slowly die through the. So these things need to be worked out. But the, the but the only time that I've actually had a separate prop person was for accomplice, and that turned out to be so helpful, just because there's just all of these little things that you know, as a director, I don't necessarily think of until we're getting to a point in the rehearsal period where we're like, oh, we need this and we need this. So sometimes for me it's that last week before tech is scrambling to you know let me know what you don't have and we'll find it whereas when you have a prop person they're thinking about this all ahead of time and they're either purchasing or creating the props that are going to be needed and once you hit that week before tech everybody pretty much has what they need sure and it can vary from show to show as as you're kind of alluding to Mm-hmm. Not every show really requires a dedicated person. Yeah, I, I would say at least half don't because there's not a lot of props or they're just so easily found. Or even that, costumes if it's, say, a mm-hmm. modern-day production and you're pretty much just going to be wearing street clothes. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need a costumer for that. No, I mean, I had uh, 12th A period night, piece is a different story. Yes, Treasure Island I did. Yeah. And then I had, like, an actual, not just a costume designer, but I had a costumer who made like, you know, the, the period coats and, and all of this. What, you stuff. don't have period pirate wear in your closet? I do now because I ended up uh, buying yeah. <laughs> something that she made. But <laughs> prior to that, no, I, did I didn't not mean you that. specifically. I was referring oh. to your actors in said production. No, I, I'm 
Uh, actually, some you never know. That was on the edition form. Must own own pirate outfit. Must own peg leg. <laughs> we actually, yeah, there's another one. That, that Tre- Treasure Island. We actually had somebody design a peg leg that somebody could wear for that show. Okay. Now that, I guess, is that a prop? Is that a costume? I don't even know where that kind falls. Of blurs the lines. Yeah. But he designed this crutch and he designed a peg leg. So basically that like attached to the guy's knee and his coat kind of covered up his foot, more or less. I mean, you know, it's it's a halfway decent stage effect, but yeah, it's strapped onto his leg. That was that was impressive. And that was just another actor. So that's the other thing. If you're if you've cast a show and you still need like a prop person or a sound person or something like that, talk to your talk to your actors because you never know what talent an actor might have or you never know who an actor might know. Right, and one of the uh, things that appear on audition forms in shows I've directed is there's actually a question that asks, if not cast, not that I know that this has entirely been successful, but if not cast, are there other areas that you would be interested in helping out in the production? I think we talked about that in a previous episode where, and I said I've never checked that off because yeah. I was, I'm always afraid it's going to be awkward going, yeah, we, we didn't cast you, but do you want to like come to rehearsals and do props or whatever? <laughs> but I mean, I if you're willing to do that, if you're not petty or whatever like I am, then I have no ego. Yeah, by all means, I think that's great if if you can get people that way. Uh, I think aside from a producer, I think a stage manager is probably your other most important person to find for your staff. Yeah, I, I mean. Because essentially, when you open, you are handing your show over to the stage manager. The stage manager is in charge. If you haven't done your job by opening, you're not going to do it once the show opens. And we'll talk about that in a later episode about directing once a show opens and what it is that you do besides sit and watch the show, if anything. I have to watch the show? Not necessarily. I said, if anything. (laughs) I know directors that, that don't go to all of the performances, so... Yeah, I, we can talk about that in another episode because it doesn't really pertain to this. But yes, right. you're, you're handing your show over to the stage manager. And I've had, I went through a lot of different stage managers early on. I've had people that were just like really hard workers and did a, a really good job, but weren't really into the whole stage managing thing. I, it's kind of hard to explain. Well, try. <laughs> I, I am trying. And and it, they did a, a bang up job. They did a fantastic job, but... They don't necessarily have that instinct to know exactly what's required of a stage manager. Whereas uh, the woman I was talking about earlier who does only stage managers, that's all she does. She will do stuff before I ask because she knows what has to be done. That comes with experience and being able to anticipate. Absolutely things but it's you know that's the kind of stage manager where you show up for a rehearsal and she's already there and has the theater opened up and the furniture placed and the props placed and she's ready to go and she's like all right let's go let's do it and it just it that is i I cannot possibly stress how excellent that is to have somebody there that that can do that sure and i think that goes for almost any other area that you're delegating to somebody particularly Mm -hmm. those but in general the more even as a as a newbie director, you're still not necessarily going to know every nuance of every aspect or necessarily think of everything because you may Even be as pretty a skilled director. Because you may be pretty overwhelmed by it all. Yeah. Uh, so the more you can surround yourself with experienced, reliable people mm-hmm. in key areas, in particular, the better. Yeah. I mean, sure that that is particularly important for uh, new directors, but I think even experienced, skilled directors, if you surround yourself with good people and you cast well, that right there is pretty much the secret to a good show. Then just sit back and watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, still have to act. Okay, direct. go do it. <laughs> yeah. Go. Psst, act. act. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, stage manager and producer, I would say, are, are quite key, which isn't to diminish the importance of anything else. I mean, I think like a sound designer can really bump up the quality of your show, and it's something that, that often goes forgotten. Sure. Whether you have sound effects or just, you know, pre-show music or a- anything that, you know, a good sound director can really boost the quality of your show. And probably I would suspect many newcoming directors or new directors are, I'm going to guess, more likely coming in from more of a onstage background, mm-hmm. an acting background, maybe than more of a tech background. Yeah. That's not... You know, true of everybody. Well, I think particularly in community theater, there are just there are fewer tech people than there are actors. Yeah, there aren't as many tech people around, so they are a valuable commodity. But yeah, I think probably more often than not, people interested in directing came from the more the onstage act. Yeah, I I think either they, you know, from community theater, at least I I think they either came from onstage or or walked into it interested in directing from the start. I, I don't know really. I don't know if you do or not, but I, I can't think of anybody who directs who doesn't also act. Yeah, I, I was just trying to think that as you said that. If I yeah. could, I imagine anybody just coming in and nah, I don't really want to be up on stage, or I, I just want to direct the show. Yeah. I mean, I know some people who used to act and now have kind of switched to directing more. I, I don't know anybody know, like that. I know some. Yeah, <laughs> I think Jim is like that. But I and I know some who like by the time I met them, all they were doing was directing, but they had acted in the past. But yeah, I, I would say community theater that there, there aren't a lot of just people who solely direct. I mean, whereas professional, you know, like movies and that kind of thing, like do you know there aren't a whole yeah most lot directors of, don't act. Yeah, most directors don't act, or they just take cameos in their own work. Yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah, but it's interesting. I never really thought about it, but yeah, I think community theater most directors do act as well. It's probably not as common for somebody who's a sound designer. <laughs> oh, I was supposed to step in, up and direct. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, how many community theater sound designers do you know that aren't involved in some other way? Well, lately. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you lately, but but that's still just lately. I would say, I, I also think sound designers in community theater are a rare commodity, whereas... And valuable. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I everybody involved in your show is valuable or should be uh, or should at least be looked upon that way but whereas sound design is often forgotten nobody can forget lighting design because you can't put on a show in the dark you could try Uh, yeah i suppose you could try maybe parts of your show could be dark some shows are set up that way they're written that way indeed (laughs) but you need somebody to turn off the lights so yeah uh, lighting designers are I, i i know of a few people who mostly just design lights whereas i don't know of anybody that just designs sound i guess there are are there producers who only produce yeah i think so okay i've worked with producers and these are folks who i know of examples of folks who they produce because maybe they want to be involved with theater but don't you dare try to put them on a stage they yeah have no well, that, interest that's in like that. the, the uh uh the stage manager that i that i work with is, is that way yeah so Although I have put her on stage. I've encountered, I think, more <laughs> stage managers who also act in general. Yeah. Oh, I, I think as a whole, that, that is the case. But uh, as I said, the the woman who stage manages for me, that's what she wants to do. That's what she likes to do. But yeah, I mean, I've put her on stage and she's been put on stage in other shows, but reluctantly. You know, there's somebody we have not talked about yet, Listen. kind of going back to our previous episode, but now looking at this from a different angle, mm-hmm. having an assistant director. Yeah. Well, do we want to talk about that in the uh, next series, which is actually about directing and starting to direct? We could. 
but that's another consideration to make as far as yeah. whether you'd want to have an assistant director. Yeah, I mean, that is who you'd be looking for. Part of your staff slash crew, do you want an assistant director? And I mean, I, there have been shows, I, I've worked with them in like two or three of my shows. Personally, it, it depends on the show for me, whether or not it's going to be valuable. If you can split things up in some way, I think it is valuable. I had one assistant director. I, I'll tell you this much about assistant directors. If you are going to have one, meet with them ahead of time, discuss your vision of the show, and make sure you start on the same page. Because I did make that mistake once where I had an assistant director and we hadn't really talked about stuff going into auditions. So she was looking for different things than I was. Yeah. And we hadn't discussed, like, yeah, this was Dracula. And and it worked out well in the end. But it's like, because we hadn't discussed things ahead of time, it was like, I had decided that accents weren't going to be necessary. But she thought accents were necessary. Yeah, you have to be on the same page yeah. with that. And, and I think uh, overall, as director, you need to talk to your assistant director and go, okay, I value your input. Uh, I have no problem with you providing that input during rehearsals, after rehearsals, whatever, but just understand that I'm the one that makes the final decisions. Yeah, you, I have think to, that's important. you kind of have to establish that. Yeah. I was thinking of it, too, from this, the aspect of having an assistant director if you yourself are a relatively new director. Yes. And maybe you might be looking for different things. Like, for example, as a more experienced director, if you have an assistant director, it might be somebody who's interested in becoming a director themselves right. in the near future. But if you're a newcomer with an assistant director, what might you be looking for? Perhaps you might be, you know, having uh, uh, somebody to have as a soundboard mm -hmm. for ideas. Somebody more that has more experience. Maybe what possibly if somebody's willing to do it, maybe what you're looking for is more of a consulting director. Somebody who's actually more experienced mm -hmm. than you that can kind of help guide you through certain Barley things. Barley Sheaf actually requires that. First time directors there are required to have a consulting director. Really? Who has already been a person. Yes. Interesting. And I am actually serving in that capacity uh, this coming season. So do you show up at all the rehearsals or just well, we've talked about it in once in a while? Or? This is somebody who uh, has plenty of experience at other theaters. It's just the first show she's directing at Barley Sheaf. So, you know, she talked to me. She approached me because she thought uh, I directed her in, a, in another show and was uh, on stage with her and one before then. And she thought that our directing styles kind of meshed. So she asked if I'd mind. So I'm going to, I plan to be there for the auditions. I think I'm running the read through because she's out of town. And I told her, you know, I'll, I'll come to a few rehearsals. And if you ever need me or have anything you want me there, I'll be there. But if this was somebody that was, you know, this is their first show, period, then the consulting director might want to be there more and they might want them there more. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of up to the director how much they need as far as Barley shows. But yeah, that that's something that I've never encountered idea. that. Uh, that capacity, yeah. having somebody in that capacity before. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was I, not I aware a, that anybody ever did that. Well, I think true, it's a good idea. I, I had a consulting director in True West. Okay. <laughs> I, I think she may have come to auditions and a rehearsal or two, maybe. Oh. But I mean, I had already directed her, and that at that point, that was like my fifth show, something like that. Fourth show? I don't know. I, I already had experience, so she knew I knew what I was doing and would to be there. Right. But anyway, so yeah, so next week... Well, I think we already talked about the assistant directing bit. <laughs> well, yeah, we did talk about that, so that, that fit in there. So next week we're just going to uh, start a new series on starting to direct, unless we have managed to uh, get somebody there that we're going to pull onto the show and have a stand uh, a one-off episode. A surprise mystery guest? A surprise mystery guest. If Whoa. you're interested in being that surprise mystery guest, you can contact us at podcast at backstage.link. So uh, until then, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. See you next time.
probably should have started the timer. Give us a minute or a second. Okay, we're back. And anyway, good tech people are valuable. <laughs> Take three. My direction was just pretend you're Egon Spengler. Why well, can't believe I have to go to Disneyland? <laughs> are you recording all of this? I am. Great. <laughs> Super. Let's just put this out as the episode. <laughs> Today we're talking about water filtration. <laughs> You can contact us at pod, podcast at backstage.link.